Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, hello there, comfy folks. Grab a beanbag chair and a refreshing mug of hot, delicious something. Because it's time for sweater weather. We're still sailing that sweet sea of no and low combat games, trying to find that taste of a childhood Thanksgiving mashed up with when you got your first Christmas bike. Today, we're talking Threadbare, a PBTA RPG about toys living in a future world where humans aren't around and not leave room for you to pull out of your parking space or microwave fish in the break room. It may be a dystopia, but it's one I can get behind. Join us, won't you? It's System Mastery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, Jeff, your always excited host who could not be happier to be here in this hot garage because we've got a heater on. Hey, man, we're fighting back against a cold world. It's not It's not a hot garage. It's a good garage. It's a good garage. It's a good, good, nice, happy garage. It's a toasty garage studio I'm in right now. And that, of course, is John, co-host of the show System Mastery, international bon vivant and playboy. True. In that he has been to I, I like Ireland and a few other countries where he probably bon vivanted around. Yeah, I've been to at least like five, six countries, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and have you playboyed in them? <laughs> yeah, I've played boys in them. <laughs> Yeah, at Mario Kart. <laughs> Come on, boys, let's play Mario Kart. <laughs> That's me. Everywhere Swirling I go, a martini around, <laughs> walking into a bar in Dublin, going, "Any boys here like to play Mario Kart? How come you have one of those cigarettes on the end of a long stick? <laughs> no questions, only Mario Kart." <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful. Join me. I'll be playing as Boo. <laughs> Oh, you're playing on one of those later ones that has Boo. Hell yeah. Not just the basic Super Nintendo. No, no. Mm, going all the way to like Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 fucking rules, so it would, I, I, I wouldn't hey, put it past you. Mario Kart 8, not bad. It's damn good. I would say it, the only thing it's lacking is the innovations of like Double Dash and shit, but otherwise it but is nobody solid... wants the innovations of Double Dash. <laughs> There's a reason we left those uh, by the wayside. That's true. That's fair. It's uh, It's an evolutionary offshoot. And it detracted from the core goal of racing around and getting pissed off about blue shells. Hell yeah. Now, uh, this week, we have a brand new exciting game to discuss with you, in that it's actually quite a few years old, but it's brand new to us, and it's Threadbare! You know, I mean, given that it's new compared to what we normally review... I, I don't know, this this month, uh, the sweater weather thing has kind of caused us to have to do mostly recent games, because the concept of full non-combat, nice cozy game, is really from when D&D exploded... And, and, uh, you know, the, the, we had a and million shrapnel, yeah, just got a million all over indie games started happening all over the world. And people finally were like, wait a minute, I don't have to roll a D20 to hit a goblin. I can <laughs> do whatever. I don't, I don't need to just have six stats. This is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so this has been 2017, a relative... by the way, is this 2017. Game. And yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think like Ryu or no, Golden Sky Stories was from the 2010s as well. Yeah, so it's, they're all relatively recent. Yeah, recent till irrelevant. Uh, and uh, recent to my elephant. <laughs> this one's written by, I believe, Stephanie Bryant. Mm hmm. And uh, it is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Which, That's right. Which We're means back on our Powered by the Apocalypse bullshit. It took us forever to get there. Like I don't think we did one until we did that Kingdom Hearts inspired one, Interstitial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but <laughs> But since then, we've done a couple. We have done a couple, including the OG. Yes, uh, and it's starting to reveal one of my biggest weaknesses in game theory and, and understanding is I PBTA bounces the fuck off me. Hey, man, I get <laughs> it. I don't know why. I love a lot of these games and the people who write them, and yet the the, uh, the engines behind them just tend to kind of... Uh, they Either the story grabs me or nothing does. And those are the only two options. Well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> when it comes to PBTA, for the most part, if the story isn't grabbing you, there's not a reason to be playing that PBTA game. That is true. Because you're it's like, gonna have, it's the same mechanics. Yeah, it's going to have roughly the same mechanics. Maybe they've thrown a new coat of paint on there, or they've added a bunch more ways to connect to other people and kind of make the game feel less uh, verisimilitudinous. <laughs> That's what I always say. PBTA is the only engine 
where I start to toss around verisimilitude as a word that's relevant to me. And I don't know why, and I think it's got a lot to do with having read Interstitial, even though that was not the first PBTA game I read personally. But when it was like, you can trade two heartstrings for a negative black memory, and then you can turn that black memory into a teachable moment if you achi- if you exchange it for Kingdom two Hearts is light! And you're just like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I, explain what that looks like in the game world when you do that, and there's like another guy standing next to you, and you're like changing your relationship with him. What does it look like? Oh, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. What it looks like is a shared glance. <laughs> A meaningful expression over coffee. Yeah. With friends. Sean Luke. <laughs> I hate that you claimed those candles were from southern France. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You're an enemy now. I give you a nemesis token. <laughs> and I cut three strings in exchange for a r- rope. Good. None of that describes this game at all. This game actually goes kind of hard in the opposite direction from most PBTA like offshoots for my money, which is that it has less in it. Oh, yeah, there's a, and I mean, one of the main issues I generally have with PBTA is, god damn, there's a lot of basic moves in a lot of these sets, because they are just like, oh, we don't have skills, we don't really have a whole lot of stuff, so all we have are moves, and there is a tendency for certain games to, in the same way that, you know, some games would go like, here's our 112 skills list. Yes. They're like, here are just moves and moves and moves and moves and moves. And I'm like, I don't I don't need most it of these. It doesn't help that a lot of the time... Well, okay, first of all, we can explain why that's the case real easily. It's hard to sell a 10-page book. Well, yes. And PBTAs are pretty much playbooks and moves. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you got to start either writing up the story, the game world, or start uh, pumping in adventures, usually both. So if you want your book to have a reasonable pile of crunch that will entice buyers to buy, then you need a big old pile of moves or upgrades or extra playbooks or what have you. Yeah. Um, The problem has always been that the more moves you have, the closer they get to each other. Yeah. Offering pretty much the same experience between them and leaving you just sort of trying to decide which one. And then you, in this case, is the person running the game because players aren't supposed to pick the moves usually. Yeah, that was really one of the other things is... Every time I look at a PBTA that's like, here's a ton of basic moves, and they're generally like, oh, never as a player say, I do this move. Just say, like, I would like to do whatever, mm-hmm. and then the GM will tell you what to roll for what move you just did. And I'm like, man, I don't want to have to sit there with fucking 27 different things open and going like, all right, I think you looked fierce. <laughs> so I think you displayed value. You work get it girl it says you better work (laughs) on a 10 plus you better work (laughs) yeah i mean in my experience the couple pbta games i've actually sat and played in have largely boiled down to the dmst whatever you want to call them throwing that out the window and everything just being like i don't know roll 2d6 and add whatever stat is i I say is relevant because it's fine it's fine that uh, you, uh, you can make up that list of four things you're trying to get, and whether you get three of them or one of them, pretty much on the fly, much faster than it takes to go look up the list of moves. <laughs> uh, now the the game uh, itself in Threadbare is uh, like we mentioned, non combat potentially. Yeah, there are three modes, and one of them is full non-combat, and one of them is super low combat. Yeah, so you have the, I think it's Fluffy, Scruffy, and Dented. Yes. And Fluffy is your full non-combat. It's your helpful little toys. If you need to solve an issue with other people, you know, you're going to do it through contests, games, Mm -hmm. any competition that isn't violent. Yes. And so it's a much, you know more G-rated version of the game. Yeah, now you still take damage from things, uh, but when you do, it's described as pieces getting lost. Or th- well, yeah, because a yeah. large part of this game is taking damage. Yes, uh, it's pretty much the, the one of the core mechanics is taking damage, and you take damage pretty much as a payment for things rather than as a consequence of things. Yes. In a lot of... It's both, really, but... But uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty fascinating thing. When we move up to Scruffy, you can have a little bit more violent altercations happening, but they're supposed to be pretty rare. You're still supposed to be solving your problems uh, via nonviolent means. Yeah, as the game puts it, it's more PG-13 at yes. this point. In fact, this is the point where they introduce that combat exists in this game largely as a montage system. 
Yes. You describe the thing that would be a win for you, and everyone else does the same, and then everyone rolls. Yeah, so, and it's the same thing for pretty much any contest, because yes. it's just the, uh, like, fight song is the move, but all it is is just, oh, you roll, see if you win or not, depending on whatever you roll, but just at the end of it, you describe what does winning mean, and it doesn't mean, like, I beat everyone up. If you were like, oh, we want to get captured by these guys, you're like, oh, we make a, you know, valiant show of putting up a fight, but then they take us uh, to bring us to their leader or whatever. Yeah, you, you just do, get to describe what happens. Yeah, you get to do that scrappy-do thing where you're all like, da -da 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 -da, and then you, like, swing your little arms around, and then you just kind of get picked up by the guy because you're tiny. <laughs> It'd suck. <laughs> Hey, I will sometimes go to the bat, go to bat for Scrappy. Oh, I'll definitely take a bat to Scrappy. <laughs> Scrappy had a hard job, which was being inserted onto a team of, of uh, extremely recognizable characters. I'm not a huge fan, but the episodes that, that Scrappy are in usually aren't boring because he's there. Uh, there, he just had a no, bad voice annoying actor. Annoying because he's no, there. he just had a yeah. To, for my money, he just had a bad voice actor. I mean, for me. He also clashes so hard with everyone else because everyone in there is like, what's your personality? I'm chill and. Yeah. Because everyone in there is like, nobody's yelling or raising their voice about things. The most you get is if like, you know, Shaggy or Scooby are like scared. Mm -hmm. But he is just loud and abrasive. Well, yeah, it, a, a large part of that is because the guy doing the voice was didn't know how to do a kid voice, and so he just did like this weird, angry Brooklyn guy voice. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm Scrappy Doo, and I'm 37 years old. Yeah, that, that didn't help. The idea behind him was that the show had stagnated under you know uh, Fred and Velma, and, and Daphne would just disappear, and then you just watch the Fred. And, I'm sorry, the Shaggy and Scooby are scared show, yeah. and they wanted to add a more dynamic character that wanted to accomplish things. I don't think they necessarily did that, but my whole reason thing behind Scrappy is that Scooby-Doo as, as a series is endlessly malleable. There's like 45 fucking Scooby-Doo shows. Yes. And these characters have all been granted a million chances to evolve and change over the years, where you turn, you know, Velma into the pure science elemental when she's in young Scooby-Doo. Or the the confused about her her sexual identity version from uh from what is that Scooby Doo Mysteries Inc. the good one. I mean Mystery Mystery Inc. is fucking phenomenal. It, it is the very good one. Uh, where Scrappy never had the chance. He got one iteration and everyone was like, "Ew, no!" And then they just never tried again. <laughs> I mean, the problem is he showed up a couple times. Yeah, and you're like, "Hey, man, you infected." <laughs> 13 ghosts get out of here <laughs> it's one of the better parts of 13 ghosts how dare you <laughs> <laughs> not the best part that's vincent price <laughs> but can you genuinely look me in the eye and say he's actually better than flim flam <laughs> they're pretty much the fucking same oof hey big <laughs> oofs on 13 ghosts here <laughs> all right i don't know why we're talking about this anyway in the dented version of the game which is the most you know, close to R-rated. This is the only one where you can have any sort of PvP because in the other two versions, you can't do anything to, like, uh, on purpose hurt someone. You can... There's always moves that's like, oops, I fucked up, but there's no PvP aspect till you get to Dented, and Dented's also the one where it's like, this is probably the only one where you will die, maybe? Question mark? Because for the most part, the toys in this setting can survive basically whatever. I mean, if you've yeah. seen Toy Story, the whole like, oh, Mr. Potato Head just puts his eyes in a fucking tortilla. Yeah, that's fine. You can do that here. That's pretty much the goal and point of this game. Yeah, is, uh, as long as part of you parts. is around, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the core tenets of the game is you don't die. Yeah, like, I, I, like even at Dented, I don't think you die. I yeah, think Dented has a very small thing where it's like, yeah, sure, if someone fucking like put you in a like inferno or whatever and you get burned up you're dead but for the love of god if any part of you is surviving you could probably be fine so let's explain why that is real quick let's talk about the world of threadbare and what's going on here let's talk about it what uh, i would hey, say let's talk about it <laughs> in a new segment we call let's talk about it <laughs> it's exactly like the show but it has music stings which the show also has <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was I was going to say uh, Threadbare is one of the places I've seen. I've seen it mentioned before as a uh, stitch punk game. Yes. It says uh, it right there on the cover. Yes. Um, which mostly just means it's got stitch iconography, 
things based on stitching and reassembling. I don't know if it necessarily has punk because there isn't a man in which you are opposite to in which you are opposition. There is no to. rebellion yeah. in this game. So, I mean, that's taking punk and using it for the same functionality as core where you just mean aesthetic. Yeah, it's stitch aesthetic. It's stitch core. I used to fight this constantly and be like, it's not fucking punk if you're the upper class or if there isn't an upper class. Yes. Uh, that said, I am now like starting to mellow and being like, I know you just mean aesthetic and it's fine. Yeah. So I, I know you only mean steampunk in as much as you have glued gears to things. <laughs> yeah. Very well, then. You still fucking play Sir Topham Hat, Lord of all the sky trains. <laughs> you're still the oppressor. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you need to exist for there to be a punk aspect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I like I said, I'm 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 softening on that. Softening like a softened teddy bear. <laughs> so it's the far future and humans have all disappeared along with all other types of living animal. There are still plants everywhere. What's going on with fungi and protista? I, we don't get into. They got their own shit going on. Yeah. But uh but there's still plants and there are no animals anywhere and uh no evidence of humans like physiologically, but their their tools and their their world still kind of remain. Yeah, and it's not even that there aren't any animals, because the game does occasionally talk about, like, insects being around. That's true, yeah. So I think it's mostly just, like, large animals. It's not even mammals, because there's not birds. There aren't, like, reptiles really walking around. Yeah. The only ones we get are the insects. We do get the occasional, like, I don't know, maybe there might be some somewhere. But for the main setting, it's pretty much just... Like a rapture happened to most things. Yeah. Because it's not even like, oh, there was an apocalypse and there are a ton of dead bodies all over the place. You're like, nope, there's just nothing. Yeah, they just, they just moved on somehow. And uh, and centuries after that occurred, slowly over time and still going on to this day in the game storyline, toys have started to kind of just wake up where they are. Yeah. They just sort of gain consciousness, stand up and start moving around and exploring their environment and interacting with each other. Yes. There are three categories of toys that exist in this world. There's Mecha, spelled M-E-K-K-A, and that's any toy that's got a hard shell or a plastic surface or articulated parts, that that kind of thing. Anything that's more rigid. Yeah, anything that would be like your action figures or your... You Barbie know, dolls are even included. Barbie yeah. doll. Anything that would be plastic, and that also includes toys that are like, a fire truck yes. and stuff like that. So yeah. like vehicles are generally all in the mecha system. So things like models as well. So if you have like a, a model of an airplane. So that... like if you're America's next top model, mm -hmm. you're a mecha. <laughs> and you better work. <laughs> uh, now, the the second category is a little out there. It is socks. I was so weirded out by that because they're like, all right, here's categories of different toys. Obviously, you've got hard plastic toys like action figures and stuff. And I went... Fair. Check, the third check. category of softies where it's like, yeah, all your stuffed animals and whatnot. Sure, great. Mm -hmm. Socks. I'm like, no. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> I mean, I'm not exactly sure what I would have done other than socks. Uh, it, it's an interesting choice. I'm not sure why. I mean, beyond the fact that sock puppet is a kind of toy, I would feel like that would just be one of the softies. You'd think that. Yeah. And yet, sock gets its full own category of three types of toys which again very weird to yeah. go ahead and do that but if you're one of the socks you can uh because all of the different like over categories of these three have subcategories that you'll then pick from yes <laughs> sock, sock is no puppet exception. is one of them yeah sock puppet is one of them along with like athletic sock wool sock christmas stocking yeah uh and each one of them is slightly different they have uh what their hold effect does and what their pass another passive or something like that yeah, every Super type has uh, two passives yes. that they will get. So, like the mechas, uh, they have the ability so that when you would jury rig, which is essentially how you heal mm -hmm. uh, anything that gets damaged on you, you can use up any stuff you've got to gain a new move, which normally in the jury rig move, when you fix something, if you get like a 10 plus one of the options is to gain a new move. Yeah. And there's a whole list of different moves and things you can get, and you can make up your own. But the mecha are real good at getting new stuff, because anytime they put a new thing on there, they're like, ooh, I'll swing this around in a weird way, or I'll get some new functionality. Yes. Uh, their other passive being friendship in that uh, once per session, if you play a game or play fight without actually trying to hurt anyone, 
they learn something new about their own capabilities, and you get a tie with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Socks, on the other hand, when they help someone, uh, they can they treat a seven through nine result as if they had rolled a ten. Yeah. So instead of just having the seven to nine and then a ten plus, they're just seven plus for the best results mm-hmm. on helping. And they're even better if they're helping another sock because obviously socks come in pairs. And uh, and so they, they have a lot of teamwork aspects to them. In that case, they get to roll 3d6, drop low instead of just rolling 2d6. And then their other their other move, their friendship move is uh, that once per session, when they ask for help from something uh, that if they can't do that, they can't do themselves like they literally could not accomplish this task by themselves. Uh, if the if someone else helps you, they feel better about themselves and get to repair a part and you form a tie with them. Yep. So you get you get the idea. It's pretty well. It's pretty well structured so that socks do fit into the world. It's just a strange aspect. It's so weird because it means <laughs> the fact that it's not just like, oh, sock puppets or even just puppets in general. Because, again, one of the sub versions of the sock is like finger puppets. Yes. And I'm like, okay. If puppet had been the third category, it was like, yeah, finger puppets, sock puppets, any type of thing that's Notably, like... Notably, marionette is one of the meccas. Yeah, which I would have been like, if you would put that into a puppet, anything that was like, oh, it was something where, you know, like a ventriloquist dummy would be part of one of these. Yeah. And that would be interesting, but the fact that it's all just socks is so weird. I think the weirdest I example... I don't hate it, by no, the way. I just bad. think it's real weird. It's weird, but it's intriguing. It's an interesting decision to have made, and I support it. I, I find it interesting that they had to work real hard to come up with a number of subcategories of socks to the point where one of them is a pair of pantyhose. Yeah, just tights are one of just, the things yeah, you could be. Because it's two-headed because they're attached at the base. It's If you want to play as something that has two heads, you play as this. Great. <laughs> it's fascinating. So, yeah, all these things kind of came to life. The future world is very nebulous because it's being defined by the toys as they exp- explore it. There isn't really a whole lot of written history or anything. So the world is supposed to be very big, obviously, because there's not a, a huge amount of ways to get around, and you're very small in a very large world. Yeah, because uh, it is still, you know, they say like, oh, you wake up, and they know like, oh, there were humans here. We can see, you know, scraps of billboards or magazines or anything else. We can tell that they existed, mm-hmm. and obviously the world is the size for humans, so when you walk around, you're like, yeah, any type of community that toys set up have to deal with the fact that they live in a world that is essentially just fucking huge compared to them. Yes. Uh, but what that mostly means is that all the the uh, the really specific locations of the world exist largely in the sample adventures in the back. They're, you're supposed to be designing based on... There's a couple little suggestions here and there like, oh, maybe... Well, I mean, there's a whole section that's just what's in the world. Yes. So you have like a abandoned train that's... Each of the cars has been turned into a different thing, and yeah, a little swamp somewhere. Yeah, there's a swamp. There's the big water. There's uh, there's an amusement there's park. Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, amuse fun land. Hey, <laughs> diggy land. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately saying that you know the world includes an abandoned train is like yeah, you know how many fucking trains there are. There's a lot of abandoned trains. Oh yeah, when so, they were like, oh, you'll find all of these cars out with these abandoned husks of. Like these vehicles, and I go, man, that'd be a perfect place to set up shop somewhere, and I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, so so it, it's neat, though, because it doesn't just go like, oh, this is Toyopolis. This is the major city where the toys are. It does give you a couple of NPCs who live in the sample spaces that they have created, but it's supposed to be pretty obvious that these are just representational examples, that the world is vast, and and there's an endless array of how these toys organize themselves and take take over their world and their own individual little fiefdoms. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my actual very favorite things in the world building from this, where it goes through like, oh, here's all the different places they are in the, like the amusement park. The arcade was like, oh, yeah, all of the like uh, arcade toy prizes woke up. And I was like, that's fucking great. That's yeah. a great setting. But yeah. one of my favorites is the like tourist trap swamp museum. Yeah, that one's great because it's. All of the animals that were just taxidermied came to life like toys. So you have a full-sized fucking alligator that's like, I'm also alive now. Yeah, they call themselves naturals. And they have big naturals. Big hanging naturals, especially (laughs) the ones that were attached to the ceiling. Uh, And they they have basically returned to their roles 
in the world. So the alligators that have come back to life after being taxidermied are now just being alligators in the swamp that they're, they used to live in. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because they're like, oh, well, they don't need to eat or anything. And, you know, they're still technically the same-ish as the other toys that mm-hmm. are alive. They just sort of feel very like, eh, fuck you to other toys yeah. that aren't naturals. Well, that, that section includes a specific point that says these things are not available to be played as. You can't yes. play as a taxidermied chicken or whatever. Yeah, you can't just be some duck. <laughs> Gotta wait for the supplement for that. Yeah, the some duck supplement. Threadbare, some duck. <laughs> Little duck. <laughs> That's some duck. Uh, but yeah, oh. I, I enjoy a lot of the interesting world building. And of course... You know, they don't give you the answer for like, all right, so why are toys waking up after a, an apocalypse that is nebulous? And they're like, I don't know, you figure it out or don't. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's not the point of this. The point of this is it's a story about cooperation, rebuilding, and and uh, recouping from loss. Because the, the number one core mechanic of this game, for the most part, beyond just the generic PBTA stuff that you don't really need us to explain to you, uh, again, is uh, is losing parts and, and attaching parts and rebuilding and helping other toys rebuild. Yes, so in any given PBTA game, the general idea of, oh, if you roll a 10 plus on a roll, you super do whatever and you mm-hmm. get the best result or pick the most options. Yes. Seven to nine, partial success, you'll get a single option from a list, or you do it with a cost. Yeah. This thing has, its main mechanic, though, is really baked into the six under option, which for most other games is usually just, you fail and the GM gets to do a thing. Yeah, they make a GM move. And with this, it is still technically, you know, you fail and the GM gets to do a move, but, any time you fail, you take a damage to a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single subtype of the various toys have a number of starting parts you can start with. You don't have to start with that exact number if you want to have less. Yeah, but you can have, you know, like, let's just say you have seven starting parts and you're like, all right, I've got arms, legs, head, body, so on. Mm-hmm. And... If you roll a six under, you'd go, all right, uh, my the stitching on my arm tears. Yes. So right now it's hanging limply to the side. I can't use it. And the other thing is, while that doesn't hinder you to start, if you were like, all right, I, I failed again and I'm going to do it to the other arm, then at that point the GM can go, all right, I'll give you a hindrance that is now if you try to let's say move something you've got a minus one because the pusher pull uh basic move is hard to do when you don't have arms so i'll go ahead and say you're minus one to that yes uh minus one to one of the three stats so it's gonna be using that move because again this game seems to be a reduction of pbta stuff or i don't really want to call it that because that sounds like it's a simpler or a, a, a worse game but i think choosing to only have three stats is actually a good idea here. i'd say it's more focused yeah it's more focused uh, the three stats are smile, um, strong arm, strong arm. Thank you. I was trying to remember that. And last one is completely escaped. scrounge, scrounge. The one to find stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, so you know, strong arm is going to be the one you're going to lose a little bit of there. Although strong arm is just your interaction with your environment. It's your it's your capacity to affect the world around you. It's not really how strong you are or how strong your arms are. No, uh, I mean strong arm for the basic moves that use it. It's like. All right, you can push or pull with a strong arm. Uh, if you want to try and like, I think, uh, like lead or no, not lead the cheer. That smile, obviously. If yes. you want to look fierce, that's the one I was trying to think yeah, of. That's that's also strong arm. It's your ability to affect your environment. Smile is your ability to af- affect the people around or the toys around you, and scrounge is your ability to interact with the game's uh, stuff mechanics. Yeah. Now stuff is a capital S stuff, mm-hmm. uh, much like uh, in the actual original Powered by the Apocalypse game, where ammo was either you have ammo or you don't have ammo. Yes. This is you have stuff or you don't have stuff. Yeah. And stuff is just, you have an, a nebulous, undefined amount of things that are on you. That are not important enough to be individually categorized as things. Yeah. 
uh, because things are also a capital T Uh thing, and stuff is generic items you have. Things are defined items that you have. Yes. Uh, And you can use stuff and things to either jury rig, which is how you'll repair if, say, your arm gets ripped. You can try and jury rig and fix that part. Yep. Uh, Or you can use it to... Uh, do another move, which is make a device. Yes, you can craft things. There's a couple different selections of things you can craft. Uh, simple devices, vehicles, things like that. And uh, with make a device and jury rig, those are also the only way you'll get access to moves that aren't basic moves. Most yeah. games that are PBTA are like, oh, you pick your playbook and whatever thing you pick, you get moves from there. And as you go up in level, you'll get more moves from that. Here, instead, you're stitching them to yourself in various ways, or creating them and carrying them around with you. Yeah, so there's no specific thing that's like, ah, oh, yes, grappling hook is a move for mechas. They're like, nah, man, if if you're a sock and someone sews a grappling hook to you, congratulations, you have a grappling hook now. Yes, and that I, I think that's a really great way to do this. I like the idea that because this is such an aesthetic, uh, the game's aesthetic is so based around self-assembly, actualization, helping other people, building out with the the tools you have. Uh, Having no basic playbook moves that you can expand out into is really clever. It's interesting. I like the idea of the game being about change Mm -hmm. because the whole idea of like, all right, I'm no matter what, if I ever fail at anything, I'm going to get broken. There are two times in a session where you can just fix yourself for free. Yep, everyone Uh, gets two moves that they can just use to fix themselves for free. Yeah, you can take a breather or do a minor fix-up that'll just let you, you know, fix things that are fucked up with you so you don't have to feel like, oh, I can't, I want to roll as little as possible because if I roll a bunch of failures, I'll just be screwed. It's fine, you've got a couple ways to just for free without any possibility of failure fixing, Mm -hmm. so you can always feel free to roll you know, for at least a few times. Yeah. But But also I like the idea that the whole thing is like, this is about change. And when you do the jury rig maneuver, like, Oh, if my arms, the stitching came loose, instead of just going, I restitch it, you can go, you know what? I get rid of it and I replace it with something. Yeah. Like I take my rag doll arm and instead I take one of those like sticky arms you get in the fucking like gumball machines and now I've got a cool way to, like, grab onto stuff. I think this is really neat. And I think it's very thematic inside the game engine. Because, effectively, this is a world where the meaning behind these uh, these creatures that are coming to life, these objects, um, left before they woke up. Decades, centuries ago. So they're woken up. When they wake up, they are purpose-built for something. And that purpose no longer exists. Yes. So a lot of this game is about redefining what you are meant to be in a world where your original purpose doesn't exist anymore. And... Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. One of the other things that we haven't mentioned yet that's also a very interesting aspect of this Mm -hmm. is that your parts don't have to be physical things. Oh, that's true, yeah. A part can be part of your personality. It can be something that is like a thing you do. So maybe you're like, oh, one of the parts I have is uh, a song that I constantly sing. And it's just, you know, one of my favorite songs. And it could be that you're like, oh, I failed so bad at something or something happened to me and that part of me broke and I don't want to sing that song anymore. Or that, you know, the part of my personality that's like, I'm optimistic, got broken. Yes. Uh, And conversely, if you do not, if you want to have an aspect of your character that is not vulnerable to this, if you don't want to go a hundred percent all in on this game's ship of Theseus aesthetic, you you can uh, you can define certain parts of yourself as indestructible or incontrovertible. They will last forever. They cannot be they harmed. They can still lose function temporarily. You can even get a hold for having them damaged, but they will not get replaced with something else. You're not yeah. encouraged to do that. Yeah, you can just be like. Oh, I have a character, and they are optimistic. Yeah. Optimism is not a part. That's just what they are. And you're like, great. But if you want there to be a thing where it's like, oh, part of this character is, you know, they're kind of a bully. Yeah. You go, oh, I can have a point during a story 
where that aspect of me gets broken. And when I fix it, I can change what I am. And so it, it has this level of both like mental and physical growth that you can have from things. Yeah. You can also make certain physical aspects of yourself incontrovertible just if they're important to your character. Like if you really wanted to play a, an action figure with real kung fu grip and you did not want that to go away in the beginning of the first session, you could just declare it a part that can't change. Yeah, you're like, I'm a sock puppet with googly eyes. Googly eyes is not a part. Fuck you. They are there <laughs> they are, forever. They're permanent because I am the original Ollie from the original Syphil and Ollie and you will not take that away from me. <laughs> Uh, you you have to understand that when I made a bonus character for this, if you go over to patreon.com slash system mastery. What is that? Why, it's our Patreon where you can support the show, get us the ability to keep doing this, and get yourself a little bonus content for your trouble. Mm -hmm. We make characters in the games that we review. I made a character. I will give a little spoiler. I rolled randomly to get what I would get, and it was a sock. And the, the urge, urge yeah. to just fucking make Syphil and Ollie was so strong. You have no idea. I, we've, we've burned our fingers on that candle before. <laughs> where we've gotten way into Syphil and Ollie here only to realize that that is not a universal shared experience. Oh, no. A lot of people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> a a cut that is a little deep. <laughs> not not everyone's like, ah, yes, Syphil and Ollie. That cultural touchstone we Some, all have. Sometimes the tides bury things in the sand and you never see them again i think it's gonna happen to like i don't know lucy daughter of the devil and xavier renegade angel pretty soon here maybe even tigtone at some point in the future but for our generation it was definitely syphil and ollie oh <laughs> but yeah i also like with i mean not to continue to harp on the whole jury rig thing but it is one of the main aspects it, of this pretty much one of the core things yeah uh it also is it's nice to see Anytime you have a punk thing and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, in cyberpunk, the whole like, you know, when you replace part of yourself with a cybernetic or whatever. And so many games are like, yeah, if you do that, you lose humanity oh, or part yeah. of yourself. And you're like, no, dude, that's growth. Being able to be like, yeah, I I use something to be able to help me out now. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's an awesome message to be like, yeah, if you you if you like my legs are broken and I use wheels now in their place. That's not the bad. That's just me growing into something else. Yeah. There's nothing worse than reading shadow run with a critical eye and being like, wow, I lose humanity. If I lose my arm, that's, I didn't know how much Oof, humanity ouch, was owie. in there. <laughs> does that mean if like a shadow run guy is born with one less arm than normal? Does, do they have five humanity now? No, It's or? fine. Cause humanity is stored in the balls. <laughs> so as long as you keep those, you can go full Borg. <laughs> But no, in this game, obviously, what the fuck is humanity anyway? There are no humans. You're playing as toys. Exactly. Socks. You get to make up what anything you want. It also very clearly states at the beginning, they're like, you know, there's no such thing as like racism or anything because you're all just fucking toys. Like, what are you going to be? There's no way to not hurt yourself. Like, like I was saying earlier, if you get into a competition in this game of any kind, um, it's like dance off, sing off actual fight pie baking contest whatever it's going to be i don't know why you do that because none of the toys can eat um hey, but you know maybe you got a sentient easy bake oven and their kink is getting baked <laughs> plus some of the toys got to eat just out of habit i mean those hip those hippos are hungry hungry they're hungry hungry and they need the marbles <laughs> which are also toys it's an eternal cycle of cannibalism and everyone's into it i mean cannibalize is a fucking move in this yes it is so <laughs> I forget what the original point here was. <laughs> we were saying before we got off onto hippos and shit. I don't know, man. You you went off on what I was doing. Because I was talking about just that it was nice from the whole, like, you know, aspect oh, of... Okay, I'm back. You know, I don't need to lose humanity if I lose an arm. Thank you for helping me find my way. Um, what I was trying to say is, if you want to participate in a combat of any kind, contest or actual combat in this game, it is a given right away that you break a part of yourself. Oh, yeah. The fight song move is literally just, all right, you take a damage, mm -hmm. no way around it, but then you decide what happens. You may even think to yourself, like, oh, well, the group is getting into a contest or a fight and I don't want to. I will not take damage. You will. Your your uh, measure for success in that combat is to get out of it and not participate, and that costs you damage to say that had happened to you. You have to explain how running away you, like, tore a stitch or something. Oh, yeah. Well, 
run away is its own maneuver. Mm-hmm. So if you were like, oh, I don't want to engage in this, you could run away and try to, you know, not get fucked up if you roll a seven through ten. Well, combat montage in and of itself is a maneuver. So if you're engaging in it, you can't make other moves. You're doing combat montage. No, right that's now. what I, what I'm saying is if you didn't want to engage in it, there is a move for that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, that's if you're just scared of something. And you're like, we're going to run away from it. Instead fuck of like, this. I'm out. Yeah. So, and all the combat montages are based on player vote. Everyone's like, hey, it would be good to have a combat montage. So that's that. It's It works based on democracy. Hmm. Uh, all right. So what else is there to talk about here? Uh, we got to talk about, I want to go a little further into the crafting mechanic. Because sure. the way that that worked was if you want to make something, it'll tell you the amount of stuff you need. And it's important to note that without a specific upgrade, which is the thing we should also talk about, uh, everyone can carry one stuff because you can't. It's a conglomeration of random crap you found. You can't find a point at which you can cut it in half and say, now I have two conglomerations of random crap. You still really have one. Yeah. Uh, if you take the special upgrade of pockets, now you can have two stuff. Yes. Because it's separated into two pockets. So it'll tell you how many stuff you need, how many helpers you need, how many specific things you need. Like, if you want to make an airplane, it'll say, like, you need two stuff, two helpers, uh, and two things, and something that can be used as a fuselage, and something that can be used as wings. Well, yeah, which will be the things. Yes. Because... That's right. It'll be the things. It'll be the things. (laughs) YouTube poop personality that we know, and I don't know why we're putting it on the show. So... (laughs) Go check out YouTube personality the things. Great. She's awesome. The best at YouTube poops. So good content. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, things, because uh, we mentioned it before, unlike stuff are defined. So if you're like, all right, I'm going to make a fucking balloon or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you need two helpers. You need one stuff and you need a thing that can be used as the basket and a thing that can be used as the balloon and a thing that can be used to grant lift. Yes. So at that point, you're like, all right, well. You don't have to have literally a basket. You're like, all right, but I need to go find a capital T thing mm-hmm. that is we can get inside of this to use as a basket. Bottom half of a giant novelty Easter egg. All right, great. We got that part accomplished. Something we can use as a balloon. That It's just that kind of stuff. Exactly. And so most of the things that you're using for recipes will be just like, all right, uh, it'll spell out you need a thing that is, you know, the hull of your boat. And the motor of your boat, or the sail of your boat, yeah. or whatever it happens to be. So that's that's how crafting works, and it's neat because it generates an object that other people can interact with. It has its own set of moves and so on, and there are a number of example ones in the game. Uh, I should probably double back real quick, though, to talk about upgrades, because that's an important part of character development in this game. Uh, you can uh, build upgrades and attach them to yourself. Pockets is one of the examples of them. There are a couple of very simple ones, like... Uh, just a straightforward one that gives you a plus one to all rolls pertaining to strong arm. Yeah. Or things like wheels where you always can be uh, moving around a little faster than everybody else. Yeah, the the list of upgrades, there's one for each of the stats that's a plus one. But yes. the book says, like, that can be a little powerful. You might want to go with something that's like, there's one that's just, you have a nice face now. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a plus one to lead a cheer rolls. So instead of just plus one smile all the time, it's just plus one smile for leading a cheer. And so they're like, if you find that your players are trying to power game and all of their upgrades are just, I'm going to try and get my stats as maxed as possible. Of course, why are you doing a PBTA game for that? But yeah, eh, they're like, maybe just, you know, make it so that you can only make these types of things. Yeah. Um, so the, the upgrade list is kind of neat because it can help you kind of customize your character to make them interesting. You can do things like, oh, I'm a sock, but I have a magnet stitched into the lining of part of me, so that part of me attracts objects, um, which allows you to, I believe, ignore a part damage from a... Because, again, as we mentioned, anytime you actually roll for a move on a six or less, you fail the move, and also you damage a part of yourself. Yeah. Uh, so that will allow you to ignore one part damage of yourself, because you're magnetic, so you're like, oh, I don't know, I hit a bunch of paper clips that are stuck to me or something. Uh. So, so there's a million of those, and those are kind of cool. Yeah, you can get... You know, like a little buzz saw that's built into you so that you can cut through stuff with uh, your strong arm rolls. You can get uh, <laughs> the ability to read as an upgrade. Yeah. Or, or just uh, owning a comic book is one of the upgrades you can have. Yeah. Where you can use it to uh, to help lead cheers and, and get people to work with you because you can describe object examples of the cool things the people in the comic book do. You're like, oh, I've seen examples of heroism. 
Uh, I use that whenever I try and inspire people. Yeah, so th- so those are really fun, and and that's part of rebuilding yourself. Uh, there is also, of course, an, an upgrade move list where when you uh, when you attach a part to yourself, now it has some kind of cool bespoke move that only applies to you. Yep. And then we've already talked about devices. Yeah the uh, the the whole building things and repairing things. It's interesting again because that's part of the world. They're like, yeah, when you start, most likely it's going to be. The main idea is like something's broken down, something needs repairing, someone needs repairing, mm-hmm. someone needs tuning up, something needs doing. Yeah, and that's why you're out there doing stuff is to try and make things better. And I, I enjoy that from the, you know, the whole like warm and fuzzy aspect where it's like, oh, why are we going out? Well, this isn't you know, apocalypse world. We're not going out to try and get money or gas or whatever like or even just survive because toys for the most part don't really have any needs no you don't you can't really die Mm -hmm. even a stuffed animal is like yo a ball of my fluff can roll around and like pick up a couple of bits and pieces and just be that from yeah you can always hermit crab yourself back together and you don't need to eat or drink or breathe but yeah if the big thing is helping people rebuilding (laughs) not just society but just rebuilding those around you and yourself and improving things. It's, it's nice that that's sort of the friendly non-combat goal is I would like things to be better a little bit. Yes. And yet you participate in society. (laughs) I'm very smart. (laughs) Uh, uh, So at a certain point you start, you get to uh, creating new moves. There's a big list of potential new moves. And then you're kind of done, and you're like, well, I've read PBTA games before. I should be looking for the playbooks, the list of moves, the list of DM moves. All of those are in there, except for playbooks. They're not. And then you're still, like, less than halfway through the book, so you find yourself wondering, what the heck is the rest of this? Hmm. And uh, there's some cool stuff back there. I'm going to guess 2017, probably because this was a Kickstarter. Uh, It has a huge amount of adventures, and a lot of them written by guest contributors. Yes, indeed. And they're neat, because the, the, uh, the game is very for lack of a better term, no pun intended, Threadbare. Hey! Um, (laughs) (laughs) The adventures are too. They tend to be very based around asking your players questions and then building from from their responses. Yeah. Things like, oh, uh, this whole adventure is themed around there is a train and you're on the train and you're carrying... And you're, like, helping the train get somewhere. And then you ask the players things like, where is the train going? How many cars does the train have? Who is on it? What are some of the obstacles in the way? Then play that adventure. Here's some moves for the train. Yeah, I mean, it has the, I mean, the train section is literally just not an adventure. It's just a part of the world. Yeah. But the adventures in there are interesting in that. That's fair. You know, I forgot about the bumblebee. The bumblebee. The bumblebee is the. The bumblebee. The. the, the, (laughs) Check out Duh Things. On, <laughs> Guys, the things. On Twitter is Ellie Spectacular. <laughs> Cannot recommend highly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Follow our Discord. I'll post some of the videos in there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what I was going to say is the, the train is one of the settings in the world, but it also is the uh, the, the setting for several of the, uh, the written adventures. Uh, in one of them, you play as a, a crew of t- toys who are scouts for the train, and you have a vehicle called the Bumblebee, and you have to go out ahead of the train and encounter things that are going to affect the train and help with them or uh, negotiate to allow for passage for the train, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of the adventures in here are like, hey, you need to, like, one of the main aspects of this is put some, you have to build a device. Yeah. Even before you start. Like, one of them is just, you have a thing that's the machine, and it's what's carrying you wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, you can make yourself, like, a little trolley or a little, you know flying air ship or whatever you're making. And then other ones are like, oh no, you have to fix a device. And so the, the whole building aspect is very built into it. And then there are ones where it's just dances. Yeah. The first four adventures are all based around mechanical construction of stuff, really leaning on the scrounge mechanics and the crafting tools. And that's cool. It's neat to see the the game using real interaction. The next two are the establishment of the place where dancing is always. What's it called? Boogie Town or something? It's uh, Electric Avenue. Electric Avenue, where where uh, everyone is dancing all the time, and all problems are solved through dancing. Yeah, <laughs> there are only four rules on Electric Avenue. One: no harming another toy. Two: drama is mandated. <laughs> Three: the music can 
never stop. Four, a dance-off can never be refused. <laughs> I gotta say, obviously, the two of us are gonna have a soft spot for the two adventures set in, in Electric Avenue in the dance world, because one of them is written by our, our expert dog correspondent, Alex Roberts. Yeah, um, <laughs> professional dog knower, uh-huh. Alex Roberts. A dog dog expert and raconteur and international <laughs> bon vivant and playboy, Alex Roberts, <laughs> friend of the show, so... so that that that's a big part of I mean, we have to disclose obviously obviously we would not be a, an unbiased review if we didn't <laughs> after review uh <laughs> let everyone know alex roberts <laughs> known dog scientist dog specialist <laughs> oh well she's not a dog scientist but pulls down dog chart <laughs> uh, uh so so anyway they're both great um and there's several that are set in like the amuse fun land uh, world where Basically, you're you're helping to keep the amusement park running because as pieces break down, it can be dangerous for the toys that live in them. There's uh, there's one that's like the Senate of Toys that gets weird. If you want to get weird into politics for what a society of living toys would be, I love the concept of the Senate of Toys because you got to assume that it exists. It's like when you're playing a like like a seventies apocalypse movie and like you're playing your, uh, your main character is like a little boy who grew up in the wilds and has a dog. And at some point he wanders upon what is apparently a fully functional government with no constituency. Yeah. That's what the Senator, the Senate of toys is like. It's, it's a very weird and interesting thing. And it also, one of my favorite things about it is not only does it give you the like, Oh, what a, what a fun little thing to play with. Like, uh, toys are making their own little politics or whatever, but it also just immediately one of the first things in there is like, yeah, uh, one of the adventures is there's a haunted doll and the doll is like, oh, I'm not represented by the Senate because you don't have anyone representing ghosts in there. And I'm like, <laughs> you just absolutely blew wide this fucking setting because now you're like, hey, ghosts exist. And you're like, fuck, okay. Ghosts of what? That's the first question I want. It's really hard to kill the toys. It says right in there that they're not supposed to die. So it's not their ghosts. Yeah. Is it uh, is it a ghost of a human? Does that mean that that character possesses knowledge of humans that literally no other toy does? There is no saying in here. It's just like, what's the haunted doll thing? There's a paragraph, and it's literally just, oh, there's a porcelain doll who has a ghost in him. And they're like, oh, I want representation. That's it. I no other information. I assume it's literal. I assume that haunted doll at one point was cut open and someone put a Ghostbusters ghost toy in her. Huh? One of them real Ghostbusters toilets that turns into a scary face. Well, I mean, one of the things I was thinking about going through here is uh, reading the book. I went, okay, well, what would I say if I was doing like this game and running it is the cause of this apocalypse or why things are coming back and why toys and whatnot? And I'm like, oh, this is definitely the spirit of... Uh, people that are inhabiting these toys mm. because they got uh, essentially not, you know, religiously raptured, but just sort of everything got zapped away. Body raptured. And so their spirits are trying to come back and just finding whatever they can that they can move around. Body rapture, by the way, one of my favorite CNC music. Oh, body, rapture, body rapture. Body <laughs> rapture. You're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, the thing I kept getting, and I know this is just because I'm deeply internet poisoned, is that, <laughs> is that this is perfect to play in that that uh, Pixar mythos world. Oh, for sure. The, yeah. the first thing that came to mind reading this was like, oh, so it's Toy Story and Wally. Yeah, it's it's that thing where they're like, look, cars exist in the same universe as Toy Story because first there was Toy Story, then there it, that eventually decayed to Wally. Then when the humans came back, they rebuilt with more robotic and animatronic intelligent uh, t- uh, robots all over the place. Then the humans died out again because they were not built for uh, for this world, leaving us with the Cars universe. <laughs> and you're just playing somewhere along and that And then eventually spectrum. the Cars die out, humans come back, and then Brave happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the timeline. See, most of the bo- the, the Pixar movies that aren't about an- or, or like uh, talking robot things or talking toys or whatever just exist in the regular human timeline. Like Monsters, Inc. does not need a place in this. It just happens when there were humans. It's fine. No, I like to imagine that <laughs> the f- very far future is brave. Yeah, like the farthest point in the future is Luca or Bugs Life or something. You're like, <laughs> explain that. Huh? Where did this come from? Well, obviously. It's Seoul. Seoul is as far as you have to go. New York came back in all its glory. In the far distant future, New York is back. There's pizza. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, no, I it was one of those things reading this where I was like, oh, yeah, I want to come up with weird reasons why 
uh, toys are coming to life. And then I hit the haunted doll thing, and I was like, ooh, ooh that, that fits right into the fucking their souls trying to fit back in here. Yeah. Only this one, instead of taking over one that wasn't possessed yet, tried to possess an already possessed thing. So towards the very back of the book, once you pay, make it past these, and I want to I want to call them the, call them out. They a lot of these adventures are very fun and very in to this setting. They really use the parts. They don't try to introduce new parts or anything. So they're great. But once you get past them, there are two other parts back here that I thought were just fantastic. One of them suggests that you should be giving players a reward or an extra hold or whatever. If they bring a toy representing their toy, including the representational changes made to it, to each one of the sessions. Yeah. With instructions on how to do that. And then there's a second one for how to build, like, the kind of toys that Sid from Toy Story had. Well, yeah, because there's there's a... Turning a doll's head into a dice bag tutorial. That, that was fun. And then there's one that's just the, how do I create a weird fucked up toy? Yes. So it's like, oh, did you want to make a spider leg baby doll like from Toy Story? Here you go. Exactly. So that was great. I love that it actually had like D- DIY instructions for how to build representations of the characters in the game. What? what how fun is that? That's awesome. Oh, what a joy. So... I thought that was a really great part, and I definitely wanted to call attention to it. Uh, Otherwise, I think it's about time we get into the wrap-ups here. Yeah, indeed. So uh, let me go ahead and start the proceedings by asking John what is his favorite thing about this game. John, what is your favorite thing about this game? See, there I asked him what his favorite thing about the game was. And now I'll respond, but what he doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) You've just activated my trap card. (laughs) Now, when I respond, I will tell him what I think about this game, but it will be what I like about it. Uh, God damn it. All right. So I think my favorite thing in this, I want, there's a lot of things I really like both mechanically and story wise. Yeah. But I think the focus on building and change and upgrade, like just breaking it down right to the jury rig mechanic. Yeah. That move as a sort of example of what this game is all about, I really like. I like that this game is about building and creating and changing and things sort of breaking down, but that's okay because you can always rebuild. That's that's awesome for a sweater weather game. It fucking rules. So I'll say that. Yeah. What is your favorite thing in here? Uh, my favorite thing here is definitely the narrowing of focus, which I find in, in 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 more and more PBTA games, they go the opposite way. They pile on more stuff, more tools, and more strings. And yeah, like Flying Circus. What's that all about? <laughs> Trash. They give, a, they give you a whole cockpit. <laughs> I can't. I can't hate on Flying Circus. Oh, no, I would never. That's, it's awesome. That that cockpit, that mechanic where you can like move things around on there and have it affect the game. That's great. That's an example of more stuff done right. Yeah, but, but that's that's an example of taking the base idea of it and going, I'm going to turn it into something else. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really taking the tools and being like, what the hell can I build with them? Well, let's find out. But here we see an, another way of, of taking the PBTA mechanics and refining them by kind of sanding off unnecessary bits and leaving behind three stats. And the three stats have a very clear orientation of what they do in the world. One affects people, one affects the environment, and one affects your ability to find stuff on the ground. And it, it which sounds kind of uh, tertiary compared to the others, but this game's all about stuff on the ground. Exactly. <laughs> so I love the stats. I like uh, the uh, the playbooks being non-existent, and instead your character is entirely bespoke based on lists of upgrades and, and new moves attached to parts. I mean, you do have a playbook because you are one of the three things. That is true, yes. Although it's very, very simple. It has two passive moves and what your hold does. Yeah. At the end of the day, as opposed to, you know, standard playbook having like, oh, when you when you uh, mark Here's this all condition, of special moves, pick one of these and, 20 things yeah. or pick one of the things from one of the other playbooks and all that stuff, which I still don't hate. It's not like I'm saying that stuff's bad. I just really like this game's simple approach. Yeah. I, I don't want that, that to be in opposition to anything. I just really like this. Mm-hmm. What would you say was your least favorite thing here? Uh, I think... Not much. Uh, if I can help it, I don't. Uh, no, I think the least favorite thing in here might be the... I want Man, I want the naturals. I want big naturals. You want to play as the naturals? <laughs> Look, but all I've no ever wanted were big you. naturals. There's, and There's no one stopping you from like making a supplement for this for how to play as taxidermy. A new super type, taxidermies. Yeah. See, I would like one for board game parts. Huh? 
But I mean, you could just do that anyway. You could play as like a, t- a, sm- a small cloud of mecha that happened to be all the bits from Operation. I was going to say, yeah. one of the mecha things is a bunch of little guys. Army soldiers. And you're like, what are you? I'm all the pieces from Monopoly. I'm, I'm the mousetrap collection. <laughs> one time in a hundred, I can assemble and actually work the way I'm supposed to, but no one has ever actually seen it. And no one can. <laughs> I, it only works if you're not looking. But yeah, I mean, I like the idea that, that this game is expandable if you can think of new types of toys. Yeah, so that's I, fun. I uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just you want the naturals. I would like, I would like some naturals. It was a a very very interesting concept to just sort of drop randomly in one part of one aspect of the world building. I was like, whoa, you've again, just like the haunted doll thing. I'm like, you have opened up so many questions for me. Yeah. What is your least favorite thing? One of the best things about a game that's this simple is that it's really hard to get anything truly wrong. Yeah, they they focused on a couple of core elements and they did an awesome job and the game came out very playable and very uh, obvious in terms of what you're supposed to do. And it's with that that I leave the one that, that leads me to the one part that feels kind of out of left field and not obvious, which is the socks. Yeah, it's not I'm not against them. I'm just like so confused. It's it is a choice <laughs> and I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. I'm just saying it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice. It's It's my least favorite thing, but that doesn't even mean I don't like it. No, it's I mean, just, it just feels weird. If I were really reaching, I'd say there's probably a couple more moves in the basic moves that need to be. Sure. And that's always a problem. But. That's that's mostly a matter of like taste and nitpicking more than anything. Yeah. And that's the same thing with the socks. Yeah. It's all personal. That's why we don't really do a ranking system. We just do favorite, least favorite. Yeah. It's always been. That all right. Way. Now, what would you rank this game? <laughs> Five strawberries. Mmm, delicious. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you out of how many. It's five. Or if the fruit is also variable. You'll never know. <laughs> I'll never use it again. <laughs> no, but the, uh, the the real question we do ask at the end is, would you play this game? Uh, I would play this game. This seems neat. It's got uh, different rules for if you're doing a one-shot or a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the ties to people uh, are you know, how good you are at helping them and you can use them for certain things in the mm-hmm. game. But if you're doing a one shot, they're like, oh, normally you don't maybe only have like one tie or two, but in a one shot, just make sure you have a tie to everybody start out. Everybody knows each other. And I feel like it would work either way. Although I also feel like if I was going to do a one shot, I'd be like, Hey, let me get like an upgrade. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like definitely you wouldn't want to start from scratch if you're doing a one shot. Because the the starting character is very, very basic here. Yeah. Um, They are definitely wearing some Uggs and sipping that pumpkin spice. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Quit judging people for liking basic stuff. People like coffee. Fuck off. Look, I am (laughs) so basic. (laughs) You have to understand, I fucking love pumpkin spice. You need to know this about me. Those so pumpkin so spice Cheerios, like ten. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't particularly care for pumpkin spice or coffee on the balance, but it's not that interesting of a thing to hate a person for. No, <laughs> it's kind of a shit reason. It's weird because you're like, ah, you you like this thing that is very popular. I'm like, it's like hating someone for liking a chocolate milkshake. You're like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fucking chocolate milkshake. It's good. Fuck you. Yeah, you can tell it's definitely just a misogynistic thing, because otherwise you'd have people who come out against the basic bitches who like the McRib or anything else that is like a, an occasional food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see you like the McRib. What a loser. Oh, basic. Just because it comes around every once in a while. <laughs> uh, would you play this game? Of course. This is really great. It's got a core different mechanics for whether you're quitting one shot or just quitting campaign or just leaving the network entirely. <laughs> uh, got him. <laughs> no, I totally, I would totally play this game. It's great. It's fun. It was fun to read. I, I, uh, I, I like a lot of what I had to see here. Normally PBTA for me is definitely more of a one shot thing than a campaign thing. I'm not super because the rules tend to bounce off me. I don't want to play it for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this I could definitely see doing a couple of fun one shots in largely because my favorite thing about my favorite PBTA games mm-hmm. uh, is is 
that they enable a wide range of interesting character development. Yes. Uh, because there aren't a really ha- a lot of hard and fast mechanical rules in a PBTA game, that's why some of the best games are things like Descent into Midnight, where you can play as fucking anything from the ocean. Just figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> um, the aforementioned Flying Circus, one of my old perennial favorites, Masks, uh, where you can really just go wild with character creation. And here, with the entire diaspora of all toys available to you, you can make all kinds of cool things. Yes, indeed. So I would or throw- a sock. <laughs> or a sock. You can make a really cool sock. <laughs> hey, you see my real cool sock over here? <laughs> real cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I would play it. I'm anyway. playing a sock that has little weeds on it. Uh, little marijuana <laughs> Do sock. Do you get it? I have a sock that has a badly transferred picture of my own cat on it. <laughs> I bought it from Facebook, no doubt. No doubt. I bought a sock from Wish <laughs> with no doubt on it. <laughs> They're playing spider webs. Uh, there you go. We you both go. play this game. It's a good game. Good job, people who did this game. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Everyone who contributed... Yeah, all the artists, everyone. Hey, hey, good job. You did it. Speaking of contributions, why not support our Patreon? I mean, why not? We already told you all about it, so we'll just make this one a super brief drop. Uh, Patreon.com slash System Mastery at the $2 level will unlock the bonus content associated with this episode, uh, as well as, I believe this is episode 231 of System Mastery, so hundreds more. Uh, we'll also, you, you can also pledge at the $4 level to get all the Star Wars bonus content, which is there's almost an equal amount of at this point. Yeah. And uh, then finally, at the $10 a month level, you get access to the Afterthought and the TV Mastery, where we're reviewing Auto Man right now, and it is a wild time. Loving it. Uh, so just consider it. It helps us do what we do, and we love it when we get to do what we do. Yeah. So thank you so much. And otherwise, we'll see you again real soon. I hope you enjoyed Sweater Weather. We're going to bring it around next year, I hope, as well. Bye.